The World is Wrong is an extremely positive podcast where Andras Jones and Brian Connolly champion films the world is wrong about for the Paper House Network. Hey, I'm Muhammad Seven. You're listening to Radio 8-Ball with Andras Jones. Show. I'm your host, Andras Jones, and this is the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. This is Radio 8 Ball Season 3, The Appening. 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 Where we are engaging the Pop Oracle using the Radio 8 Ball app, which is filled with every song recorded in the history of Radio 8 Ball, as well as a couple of hundred of my own. I hope by now you've downloaded the Radio 8 Ball app. If you're an iPhone user, it's free and it allows you to play host and conduct your own musical divinations just as we do here on the show. The app also plays the latest podcast and selects the randomly chosen Pop Oracle Song of the Day. On last week's episode of Radio 8 Ball, I asked, How did the 100th monkey action in 92 affect me in ways I don't know? And received as my randomly chosen answer, I pity the poor immigrant, performed by God Goes to Denver Seeking Love on Radio 8 Ball on KAOS in Olympia, Washington on October 10th, 2007. I'm recording this episode, as promised, at noon Pacific Standard Time on Thanksgiving 2020, which means I'm about 20 hours into my guilt fast, where I fast from sundown the night before Thanksgiving until sundown the night of, 
and think about the cost of all this gratitude. Expressions of guilt as opposed to shame can be a healthy thing when one is guilty, which we as a nation most definitely are. Yet, we have no Day of Atonement. I talked about this at length last week, so let's turn our attention to the present and the future, and start with exploring the Pop Oracle Song of the Day for today when I am recording this on November 26th, 2020. That song is Pet Shark, performed by Recess Monkey on R8B Kids, the kid-friendly version of Radio 8 Ball, on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM in Bellevue, Washington, on November 27th, 2008. Just a pet shark He's a baby grade white He might open his jaws To smile at you But he won't take a bite He won't take a bite Just a pet shark. Come on, don't be afraid of him. He'd like to be your best friend and take you for a swim. Would you like to go with him? Shark! No? Look out! But he knows elementary backstroke. Shark! He's got a great pair of floaties. Look out! A little shark with a real big dream. He's just a pet shark, so small, but he has a really big heart. Uh He likes to be an underwater rock star, but he's afraid that his autographs will fall apart and get soggy underwater. I told him you should just write on a clamshell. He's just a... Pet Shark. Pet Shark from the, uh, what was the name of the CD that's from? Aminal House. Aminal House. What are we to make of this track? Hmm. First of all, if you were struck by the date of the recording being so close to today's date, 112708 for the track, while today's is 112620, well, so was I. When I did a little research, things got a bit more confusing because November 27th, 2008 was Thanksgiving and I'm sure we didn't record that day. So I did a little digging and realized that the show was a pre-tape and I don't have the actual recording date documented anywhere. To add to the temporal confusion, in that episode, I said the show would air on November 28th instead of the 27th. I'm not sure what to make of this, except that the feeling of being unstuck in time matches nicely with my fast-fed headspace. 
Looking back to the episode that featured the song Pet Shark, the question that resulted in this song came from Nicholas. So, how old are you? I'm eight. Eight years old. This is uh, that's the perfect age to be on Radio 8 Ball. And uh, what is your question for the pop oracle and the music of Recess Monkey? What should I be for next Halloween? Wow. What should I be really for ahead, next Halloween? That's great. Which would make him 20 now in 2020. Make of this what you will. Who knows? Maybe it will have some bearing on my question. And as I announced last week, for the next batch of episodes, I'm going to be allowing my questions on Radio 8 Ball to be informed by the films we're covering on the World is Wrong podcast. And already I'm struck by a cinematic synchronicity in that the song Pet Shark very much references the theme from Jaws, and the film we talked about this week on The World is Wrong is Solo, a Star Wars story. And Jaws and the original Star Wars are generally regarded as the first big summer blockbusters that changed the film business forever. And if Han Solo isn't Harrison Ford's most famous and popular role, then Indiana Jones probably is. And that came from George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, who I probably shouldn't have to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, directed Jaws. Now, looking at Solo, a Star Wars story, there are several avenues we could explore. There's the literal reading that I am doing this latest batch of musical divinations solo. And while this is true and certainly syncs with last week's reading, it is also my hypothesis that your attention and intention inform these readings even long after the fact. So while, yes, I am currently recording this alone in an attic apartment in Oli, I do not feel like this is in any way a solo act. So, let's move on from that. We can look at the solo archetype. I know Han Solo is supposedly the cool one, but when I was a kid, I always wanted to be Luke. Maybe eventually to be Obi-Wan. The world told me Solo was someone I wanted to be, but he always struck me as kind of a dummy and kind of a bully. Harrison Ford's consistent and perpetual disdain for the Star Wars films and his role in them didn't help much. Maybe that's the way I could relate most to Ford and or Solo, in that I too could be accused of being a grumpy Gus when it comes to the role I played in a very popular film franchise. Maybe I'm more like Solo than I thought. Considering this aspect of the Solo archetype sets up an odd dichotomy for me. Because my ambivalence toward Harrison Ford's solo, and to be honest, most of his acting career, stems from the overall lack of joy and passion he brings to being a movie star. At the same time, as I discuss at length on The World is Wrong, I have nursed a growing disdain for Ron Howard as a director for many decades, 
which made my appreciation of his work on Solo, a Star Wars story, such a surprise to me. Unlike Ford, who bums me out because he's such a grump, Ron Howard annoys me because he directs like you'd imagine Richie Cunningham would. His films are nice and professional, but behind them there really isn't much at all, except maybe the ambition to make more movies that make money so he can make more movies that make money? This simplicity of purpose would mean a lot more if the films were ever great or even special in some way. But for the most part, they aren't. I was thinking I was going to ask a question about why I have such a problem with Ron Howard and other supposedly nice people in Hollywood. I know some of these nice people, and they aren't really that nice. At that level, you really can't afford to be. Most of your life is built on saying no to people. Saying no isn't necessarily unnice, but a life of no saying and surrounding yourself with people who do the no saying for you doesn't make you nice. It makes you shrewd. And when you hide this shrewdness behind a veneer of niceness, I find that far less admirable than those with prickly, difficult images that suggest they rubbed some people the wrong way and allowed those people to have their reaction to it. The amount of image control it takes to maintain a nice guy image the way beloved celebrities like Ron Howard and Tom Hanks have is phenomenal. Notice Ellen DeGeneres' recent fall from grace. When everyone insisted she was one of the nicest people in the world, I knew it was bullshit, but now that she's constantly being attacked, I'm wondering if there's more to her than I thought. Being famously nice means never taking an unpopular stand, which in itself suggests a level of cowardice that is not enviable. But beyond that, knowing how much Hollywood is a town fueled by gossip, social climbing, and backstabbing, it's hard to imagine anyone maintaining a purely nice image without having a significantly big stick behind it to muzzle anyone who might cast a critical light on your shine. None of which strikes me as particularly nice or heroic. Give me Phil Oakes and Gene Seberg and Susan Sarandon and Wendell B. Harris Jr. and Rose McGowan and Woody Allen and Jane Fonda and Francis Farmer and even Vincent Gallo over these supposedly nice power players. Well, that's a... I didn't, I didn't know I was going to go that far down that road, but... Uh, Let's see if that leads me to a question, shall we? Okay, so if I'm not cool and cynical like Han Solo, and I'm hostile toward and suspicious of the popular niceness of Ron Howard, who in many ways is a Luke Skywalker type, who do I even relate to in the Star Wars universe anymore? Giving the Pop Oracle a shake... And the answer is <laughs> Prince Charming from Jim's Big Ego. I think you better cut all that hair off and throw it out the window. Climb down from that 
tower Flip the wicked witch the finger Ain't no use to wait for him to get you He's out chasing his own demons Not like you can really blame him You got demons of your own And I need to be the one to tell you Cause it don't seem so romantic Charming from Jim's Big Ego, recorded live at the Capitol Hill Arts Center in Seattle, Washington, on April 7th, 2007, as part of the Ego and the Oracle, the first live iteration of the Radio 8 Ball format I'd been doing on Chaos and Olympia, Washington, since 1998. 
And that was about as bullseye an answer as you could receive. I mean, basically, there are no fairy tales. It makes sense that I wouldn't relate to a fairy tale for children now that I am a, a more complex adult who's lived some of life and uh, seen how it doesn't necessarily fit with the fairy tales and uh, the wisdom and the musical intelligence of Jim's big ego, as you just heard in that song, is, uh, well, those are a couple of the reasons why I was so excited to work with Jim Infantino and his band Jim's Big Ego. I was a fan of them. And uh, when they were on Radio 8 Ball in 2000, I guess it must have been 2006, and they really grooved on the format, and Jim asked if I would be interested in developing it as a live stage show with them creating the music, and me being the host and using the format that I developed, I jumped at the chance, and we did three great shows in Cambridge, and I think two great shows in Seattle, and then we were back to go do some more shows in Cambridge, and then Jim and his band and his manager decided, yeah, you know what, we don't need you anymore, we're just going to do the show on our own, and uh, barely, you know, gave me a, a very tiny little credit at the bottom of their website, and basically just ran with it, and a real power grab kind of move, which I guess speaks to what I was talking about earlier about that sort of niceness. I mean, <clears throat> if I hadn't been through this experience with Jim, I would think I would think of him as one of those prickly people who I respect. And you know, just so, I guess it's it's weird because it's so far in the rearview mirror, the the pain of the experience I mean, I feel like I did what I needed to do, and it in, and in a way, it did what it needed to do. It inspired me to start taking Radio 8 Ball seriously in the way that, like, I guess, and this isn't a very healthy analogy, but I'm thinking of when I was in, in high school, and there was a girl who liked me, and I was just sort of like hemming and hawing and playing the Gilligan to it, and, and to her, and then when she decided she'd just go out with someone else... I realized that, oh, I really did like have getting her attention in that way, and I didn't want it to stop. And I guess in the same way, for years I'd been doing Radio 8 Ball with no, no goal in sight, with very little uh, ambition, a lot of ambition psychologically and spiritually and artistically, but not much ambition commercially or professionally. And Certainly having Jim's Big Ego try and steal the format. And I, I know that's a harsh word, but I don't know any other way to use it. I mean, um, as far as having to be my own Prince Charming, having to be my own Han Solo is basically what it says. I got to stand up for myself like Han Solo. I got to, you know, fight my own battles, raise my own lightsaber. Um and it makes me wonder, you know, I'm doing this musical divination in the middle of a fast. I really, I guess what's the, what, what comes up is that there's just, there's a big regret. It's, it's a weird thing about a, so I feel like I responded 
as well as I possibly could to the situation. So I don't regret my response, which was to uh, let them know my displeasure, to insist on being credited and compensated if they were going to use my format. And then when they refused to do that, whenever they decided to put on the show again in Boston, I sent out a press release pointing out that they had in making the case to local press that they were uh, that they'd stolen this format from someone else, which is unpleasant, was unpleasant for both of us, for all of us, I'm sure. Uh, And uh, but also it seems like the most honest and peaceful and integrity kind of way to address the facts is to to suggest that they should be aired in public. Um, but it's not fun to be criticizing an artist that uh, that one has so much respect for. As I I I think I still do for Jim. I can't really listen to his stuff. My he broke my heart too bad for me to listen to his stuff. But just listening to it there, I was struck again by. Uh, how much a kinship I feel to him as an artist and that, so I have this huge regret that he, what is it? My, is my regret that I showed up as someone who looked like you could steal from that? I didn't show up strong enough to make him scared to try and uh, take this thing that I developed based upon my father's dream seminars. I mean, it's just, it's such a low low thing and i'm not saying this to i'm not saying this to criticize because it's just a low thing maybe it's i also because i believe in synchronicity i also think it's a perfect thing it was just what i needed in some way you know if i want to take that sort of uber i don't know i guess christian kind of thinking about it that like he needed to sin in or against me. I needed to be hurt. I hate that. I hate that that reality tunnel. I can't even think down that road. Sorry for those of you who can live in that reality reality tunnel. I you know that's great. Uh, as you can hear, there's uh, there's a part of that forgiveness energy that I'm trying to reach toward, uh, but there's also a shaming and condemning energy that I don't want in language. I don't want to. I don't want to buy into. Jim has a song called Cut Off Your Own Head. I think it's one of the first songs that I remember him playing on Radio 8 Ball. And so maybe the Buddhist reality tunnel is a better one to go down that I needed, that it was our karma to meet on this path. And <clears throat> and certainly as, as part of my synchro mystic path, Jim ultimately provided inspiration and positive inspiration and recognizing that what I was doing was cool and wanting to make it cooler and bigger and negative inspiration in that having him try and steal it made me realize how valuable it was. And so that's led to the ensuing 13 plus years of developing this as a commercial format. Not that there are any commercials or it makes any money, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, so here we are on Guilt Fast and Thanksgiving, and it's perfect because I get an answer that is full of guilt and gratitude. 
Yeah, that's pretty much, that's the sum total of my relationship with Jim Infantino. And Jim's big ego is one of guilt and gratitude. His guilt, my gratitude. Um, I know that's, 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 I'm sure there's another way to look at it. And that's the toughest part about not, about losing the bonds that make people, if not friends, at least friendly neighbors and community with each other is that I'll never, I may never know Jim's side of the story and his side of the story, you know, I'm sure it would infuriate me. Um, as I'm sure this may infuriate him. But I guess in the realm of the Pop Oracle, we are called to be bigger than ourselves. Knowing that I am recording this means that I will be, I'm sure, ashamed of it at some point in the future for its nakedness. But we should never be ashamed to be naked. And I guess that's probably a good place to go out on. So I'll probably record some kind of outro once I've made sense of this. But for now, that's your Pop Oracle reading. I hope you're digging the new format where I allow the films we cover on the World is Wrong podcast to inform my questions here on Radio 8 Ball. You can keep up with the World is Wrong podcast by subscribing to the World is Wrong podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Our episode about Solo, a Star Wars story, comes out this Tuesday. Now, I've had a couple of days to sit with this reading, and there are a few things I wanted to add. First, I wanted to presence Muhammad Seven, who was a guest on Radio 8 Ball on October 13th, 2020, and in that episode we discussed how he was the one person who joined me when I protested the Ego and the Oracle when they first attempted to present the show in Cambridge, Massachusetts without me. Muhammad is not only a friend of great integrity, he's also an excellent singer-songwriter who performs regularly in the Boston area when such gatherings are allowed. I highly encourage getting to know him and his music. I'll provide a link in the show notes. As for Jim's Big Ego, I've had Prince Charming playing in my head since the reading, and the repeated line about how there's going to be a happy ending has been haunting me. On the one hand, it seems optimistic, but at the same time, considering my negative take on Ron Howard, it makes me think how happy endings are often lies told by nice people who are willing to go to some pretty cruel ends in terms of the cost to other people, to achieve their own happy endings. Maybe a happy ending is what Jim and his band and their manager thought they were getting when they tried to fire me from my own show. But, as they found out, unlike a normal play, Radio 8 Ball never ends, and their happy ending turned into a drama, comedy... Uh, satire, 
some sort of play that continues to this day. The other thing I'm thinking about the song and the concept of being one's own Prince Charming is less about standing up for myself, as I posited in my reading, and more about taking full responsibility for everything that has happened to me. Where I have made mistakes, I can apologize, and where others have made mistakes, I can forgive. It's not as easy as it sounds, but it is the most powerful way to engage with the world. All of this, of course, is an internal process and doesn't mean I'm going to stop telling the story of Jim's big ego and their attempted theft of the pop oracle. As the song says, it's true, it's real, and it's me. It might not be how you'd go about it, but then who are we to judge anyone's response to an injustice we haven't experienced ourselves? And even if we have experienced something like it, none of us experience anything, let alone an injustice, the same way. And before I move to the wrap-up, I just want to offer my apologies to anyone who was hurt or offended by my critical takes on Ron Howard, Harrison Ford, and Tom Hanks, I am coming to realize that this style of Radio 8 Ball without guests is really a kind of public self-therapy, and in order to keep it real, I have to allow my shadow to come out to play, which will invariably lead to a certain amount of projection, and that is certainly the case when it comes to mine or anyone's hostile feelings towards celebrities. Which is one way of saying, hey, Ron and Harrison and Tom, it's not about you. It's about me. Now, I just want to thank you all for giving your attention and intention to this episode of Radio 8 Ball Season 3, The Appening. Please remember to subscribe to Radio 8 Ball in your podcast app. And if you like the show, please help other people find us by rating and reviewing Radio 8 Ball positively. If you tell your synchronicity story, I'll read it on the show. Of course, we encourage you to download the Radio 8 Ball app from the iTunes App Store. It's free and filled with every song recorded in the history of Radio 8 Ball, including a couple of hundred of my own. And finally, I do hope you'll join our Patreon campaign. The Patreon link is in the show notes. We're going to go out with the song I wrote about my experience with Jim's Beak Ego and our collaboration on the Ego and the Oracle. The song is called A Serious, Sincere Question. And with that, I'm out. Until next time. I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. I got a question for the oracle. Why did the ego steal the oracle? Yeah, I got a question, a serious, sincere question. Why did the ego steal the oracle? She ain't mine, but she sure ain't his. And Big Jim's giving me the biz. Why did the ego steal the oracle? I'm making something out of nothing, it's true. I guess that's what. Wounded poet's gonna do to you If there's something that I want you to know I just put on a little show for you 
there's gotta be a fight I'm gonna cry like a baby Gonna cry like a baby And with all my might Cause if there's gotta be a fight I know that I gotta beat you But I'd so much rather meet you In a better light If there's gotta be a fight We're better than this We're better than this If there's gotta be a fight We're better than this We're better than this And you know what they always say You know what they always say She ain't mine, but she sure ain't yours We're better than this You're giving me the biggest Why did the ego still the oracle? We're better than this We're better than this We're better than this It's the radio